Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello there, my dearest friends and presumably some enemies. It is I, Adam Cleary, and it is time for us here at Trek Culture to boldly go where we have sort of gone before, just not in this particular direction or something. Yes, that's right, because after the unprecedented success that was Secrets of the Enterprise D, you need to know, and Secrets of Voyager, you need to know, we are back where it all began on the original USS Enterprise NCC 1701 to tell you things you didn't know, hopefully. And the thing is, despite time travel and retcons and prequel series, this is still the ship where it all began way back in the 1960s with America having this huge throbbing erection for space travel. Gene Roddenberry got together with some of his pals and he commissioned a show about man's voyage into the stars and the vessel they did that on was this beauty. And the thing is, before the Enterprise came along, there had been hundreds of fictional spacecraft in film, in TV, in books, in whatever, but nothing quite looked like this, and nothing has stood the test of time quite like it has. But still, nobody in their wildest dreams could have predicted that over 50 years later, the vessel would still be an iconic part of both the franchise, which has continued to this day, and sci-fi lore in general. So, my name is Adam Cleary, and these are 10 secrets of the USS Enterprise 1701 you need to know. Number 10, it was originally upside down. Right, so Star Trek gets its commission, it gets its pilot, and Gene Roddenberry gets all his pals together to write the stories, to create the characters, to do all the little bits and bobs, and he gets Matt Jeffries, this man, I hope we've got a photo, we might not, I don't know. Anyway, his job was to design the ship they would go on these intrepid voyages on. The only brief he got was, I want it to look like it could easily accommodate 100 to 150 people. That was it. And to be fair, with just that scant guidance, he managed to come up with the Enterprise we all know and love today. But it was very nearly not quite what we have now. Basically, he took the model that he had created of the ship into a meeting with Gene and all the network types and showed it off. But because it was so top heavy because of the saucer section, it fell off the table and landed upside down. And Gene Roddenberry went, I actually, um, actually like that. So for an unspecified amount of time, the design of the Enterprise was this. Just literally the Enterprise, but with the saucer and the, and the cells on the bottom and the hull and the, the thing all in the middle. It was gonna look like that, which is, come on now, it's really, really bad. Thankfully, Jeffries, he did fight his corner. He wouldn't let it go. He told him it had to be the right way up and voila, so it was. Number nine, the Enterprise had two captains before Kirk took command. All right, now everybody knows about Captain Christopher Pike, even if you didn't know about the original pilot and then how he got brought back into the show. The Abrams movies made a big song and dance about him before 
well, gunning him down quite dramatically. But anyway, he was the original captain before Kirk. There's entire stories written about this fact. But what a lot of people don't know, and you're not going to get a prize for getting in the comments being like, oh, I knew about Robert April. Everyone knows about... Who doesn't know about Robert April? There's no prizes for being that person, because a lot of people don't actually know about Robert April. He was the original captain of the Enterprise. And just... That's a point, actually. Not a lot of people... Not a lot of people actually know about Robert April. Somebody... Some brave, intrepid, handsome even YouTuber should do a video on Robert April. Hmm. Anyway, yes, the only appearance we've ever had of April has been in the animated series. He oversaw the design and the conception and all the maiden voyages of the ship with Pike serving on board occasionally as first officer. And that is how the ship started its life as a, they said, member of Starfleet, as a thing in Starfleet. Actually, while we're on the subject of Pike being first officer, there was also another first officer, but more on that in a little bit. Number eight, she was almost stolen by Klingons during her first mission. Alright, so before Robert April took command, there was somebody else who sat in the captain's chair, though not officially as captain, and that was Admiral Rasmussen. No, really. He was in charge of taking the Enterprise on its shakedown voyage, which, as you all know from Star Trek Generations, is just a standard thing that new ships go on to make sure everything's working and nothing ever goes wrong and hundreds of people don't die and Captain Kirk doesn't get sucked into the Nexus and ends up coming back to haunt Starfleet like 80 years later when a madman starts launching missiles into suns and blowing up planets and stuff. It's fine. Anyway, during this particular shakedown of the original Enterprise, three, counting three, Klingons managed to sneak on board, posing as Starfleet cadets somehow and they take it over attempting to steal it for the empire they cut all the power they mess with the systems the thing is cut adrift it is floating in space it is derelict until a klingon battle cruiser with a winky eye and a tractor beam turns up with bad intentions admiral rasmussen though ever the diligent fellow he gets himself into a shuttlecraft and he just rams it into the klingon battle cruiser so it cannot steal the ship, and then is later found by the Federation, took back into space, etc. He's the hero, he saves the day, but it was very, very nearly stolen on its first day out. Number seven, the Enterprise's bridge was angled to the port side. All right, so if you watch the show, you probably imagine that the way, like, Kirk sits is facing directly forward because that's how you would sit in literally anything that travels. Also, the view screen is there, so you just think that's, that's the way they're going. But no, they were actually kind of like that they were they were just slightly off now there are two connecting reasons why this is the case and neither of them are particularly good but anyway when they designed the set of the bridge they wanted the turbo lift to be behind the captain's chair but they didn't want william shatner to have to do a total 180 in order to see any characters coming out of it they just wanted him to have to turn a little bit but when they designed the exterior of the hull the little swollen out knobbly bit which denotes where the turbo lift is is dead center on the back of the bridge meaning that if you walk out of that you are facing directly forward whereas of course if you do walk out of that you are not facing directly forward on the bridge you'll be facing slightly off at an angle which means the entire bridge is rotated ever so slightly because the two design departments didn't have one phone call all they had to do, all they would have had to do is just literally, hello, yep, we're just going to put the turbo lift at an angle, can you just move that around on the outside a bit? Yep, no problem, whole thing could have been avoided. Number six, the Enterprise's self-destruct code. Now, Star Trek loves to do one thing in one episode and another thing in another than a different thing in the film and then refer to it all back as a completely separate thing entirely later on. They're very bad at small bits of consistency, but one thing they did get absolutely spot on and stuck with it was the self-destruct code of the Enterprise. 
In order to blow up the ship, you need to enter three separate command codes from three separate senior officers, and they kept that code consistent throughout both the TV series and the movie. See, it starts with Destruct Sequence 1, Code 1, 1A. Destruct Sequence 2, Code 1, 1A, 2B. Destruct Sequence Code 3, 1B, 2B. Three. And then kaboom, etc, etc, etc. Yes, in the original series episode, Let This Be Your Last Battlefield, as well, of course, as The Search for Spock, they are both entered consistently and correctly, albeit it isn't used the first time, but it is the second. Number five, the Enterprise became self-aware moments before her destruction. Yeah, while we're on the subject of this, when they actually blew up the Enterprise over the Genesis planet, it both knew what was going on and felt it, which is awful. Now you remember he activates the auto-destruct sequence in order to outmaneuver these Klingons. They swap ships, they get them on there, they blow up, and then it crashes on the planet. My god, Bones, what have I done? The same thing you always do, Jim. Turn death into a fighting chance for life, etc, etc. But according to the short story Countdown, the Enterprise, which has had all manner of computer changes and was a mishmash of wires and systems and all of this, actually attained sentience minutes before it was destroyed. It realised what it was, what was going on, and what was about to happen. And this all just takes place in the last 10 seconds of that auto-destruct sequence. Something trips, or something changes, or something happens, and the Enterprise realises that it is about to be destroyed. It remembers its time in service, and decides that rather than cancelling its own self-destruct sequence and living on for a bit longer, it is privileged to be dying in battle, saving its crew, rather than simply just being decommissioned, as had been talked about. And to be fair, for a 200-300 long piece of metal, that is a very, very noble way to go out. Like, I had a car once that just completely crapped out on me in the middle of the road, and, and that was it. I could have really used that kind of attitude then. Number four, James Kirk's father, George, was the first officer. Now, weirdly, despite getting all of his screen time in the Kelvin universe played by actually Thor here, he's a far bigger character in the Prime universe than he is over there. Now, as you all know, he was first officer aboard the USS Kelvin at the start of that film, but had he not been blown into a million teeny, tiny, very sad pieces in that film, he would have gone on to have a distinguished Starfleet career all of his own, including serving as first officer aboard the USS Enterprise. Now, all right, admittedly, yes, it is only for one mission, but that is one mission more than either you or I will ever serve as the Enterprise's first officer, and it was called the Rosenberg, Rosenborg, Rosen something operation, in which the ship fresh out of space dock has to go save a civilian ship from an ion storm. Rosenberg, I was right first time. Yet with time of the essence, Captain Robert April assembles just literally anybody he can get his hands on to form a skeleton crew to rush into the Romulan neutral zone in order to save that ship. Unfortunately for George Kirk this time round, they don't encounter a single really angry time-traveling Romulan. Number three, Kirk repeatedly stole the Enterprise. Yes, Kirk might not have been the first captain of the Enterprise, but he was damn sure gonna make sure that he was the last. Now in the canon somewhere, Kirk is removed from the Enterprise and assigned to this covert Klingon mission, and Captain Zarlo is given command in his stead. But when Kirk was missing on this mission, the entire crew threatens to mutiny unless they abandon their current plans and go and rescue him, which is nice. Now, as you've all seen in the motion picture, Kirk is then bumped up to Admiral and recommends himself that Will Decker take his place. But then in that movie, he goes, uh, Starfleet, yeah, I'm going to change my mind on that one. Any chance you can just put me back on the Enterprise and I can have a run on the old girl? And they go, yes, of course. And he gets in an argument with Decker, bumps him down to commander and makes him serve as first officer. What a dick. 
And then there was the time they made it a training vessel and put Spock in command of it. And of course, Kirk was like, oh, I thought you're going after the Genesis device. Well, <laughs> how about you let old Jimmy here have a sit in the captain's chair one last time, buddy? And of course he did. And then he died on that mission, so bad move. And then, of course, best of all, after they retired the Enterprise from service and pretty much the entire crew with it, they just... They just steal it. They just go take it out of space dock to go and get Spock back. That's like my favourite scene in all of the original films. Just, it's such a slow chase sequence. It's good though. Number two, the Enterprise was a ship of Theseus. No, not, 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 not that. That's, no, that's, that's with an F. This is Theseus with a TH. Theseus. You mucky pups. Anyway, yes, a ship of Theseus is a philosophical question which basically says, if you have a ship and you change every single thing about it, the rod, the mast, the sails, the decking, every item, every single thing gets changed at some point during its service, is it still the same ship? Or, they did this much better on Only Fools and Horses once, if you have a mop with a head and a handle and you change them both 20 times, is that still the same mop? I mean, it's a philosophical question, so there isn't an actual answer to this, but obviously no. It's not the same ship. They changed the saucer and the hull and the nacelles and the warp core and the bridge and the torpedo bays and the crew quarters. What else is on a starship? The windows, everything. They changed it all like a hundred times and it was still technically the Enterprise, but obviously it wasn't because all the stuff from the first Enterprise sort of been somewhere. I mean, that's all I've got for this. It's just an interesting thought experiment regarding that ship you like from a film. There you go. Number one, almost a quarter of the crew died under Kirk's command. Yes, a five-year mission, 430 crew members, and 94, 94 of them did not make it home. That is like us launching Trek culture, and within a few months, neither Zoe or Ewan ever being heard from again. I mean, I know, I know we haven't used them in any videos or anything, so it is kind of like that, but you get the point. That is 4.4% of your entire crew dying every single year. If it's all at a consistent rate, then you have to stand around a torpedo looking really sad while someone blows a tin whistle every 19 days. Kirk got a promotion after that mission. A promotion. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.